Hey, listener, we would love it if you could take a quick moment to give our podcast a review on iTunes, Spotify, or leave us a message on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Hello and welcome to the Our Community Lessons podcast. My name is Adam Falgett, and with me today is Mike Disparis, Leader of Education Initiatives for Our Community Lessons. Hey Mike, how are you? I'm great, Adam. How are you today? I'm doing well. Things are going pretty good over here. And I'm excited for our podcast because uh, we have a new guest with us today from Colorado. His name is Rob Martin. He is the Dean of the Isaacson School of Communication, Arts and Media at Colorado Mountain College. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining our podcast today. We're going to get into a lot of different things that you're going to be helping with our community listens with. But first, I want to talk a little bit about how long you've been a facilitator with our community listens and what you enjoy most about being a facilitator. Well, you know, first I heard about uh, our community listens through my wife. He was part of a, a group in 2014, and then I participated in in our community in 2015. Uh, after that, training for the facilitators in October of 2016. So for about four years. And uh, what is one of the things you enjoy most about being a facilitator? Why do you like teaching these skills to new people? You know, it, it, it all boils down to the fact that I like meeting people. <laughs> I really just really enjoy seeing how they grow when we facilitate these kind of meetings. Awesome. I'll let uh, Mike jump in here with our next question as we start getting into more topics. Yeah, Rob. So I'm, I'm really interested in learning from you today. And as a facilitator, having worked with high school students and working at the college and being a dean, what are some of the skills you have used that you've learned as a facilitator from the communication skills training and use those skills to help support you in your position, whether it's working with students or working with faculty or working with staff or maybe even the community that you work with um, up there at Colorado Mountain College? Yeah, uh, when I first started becoming a facilitator, I was uh, still in the classroom, I was teaching full time. And so that was a bunch of classes that I taught. And it was amazing to see how quickly I could incorporate these skills right into the classroom. I teach storytelling, video, animation, those kind of things. And so those, those skills that we learned as facilitators transferred directly into that. Uh, but then it, it, it took on a different turn as I started to teach it more because I realized that the basic thing that I needed to do as a teacher was listen. I really needed to hear those students' ideas, listen to what they had to say, and then only then after having listened and allowing them to try and solve the problems themselves, start to help them out with technical issues or other things. It's creating that relationship that is huge. And if you can do that in the classroom, you've really changed a student's life. And so that's been important to me from the facilitation training is I just walked in straight right with that right out of the classroom. And it changed my classroom tremendously. Rob, I love how you talked about the listening and listening to your students, what they were coming with. So like taking the idea of a skill that you learn and not necessarily saying the kids have to learn how to do the listening, right? But you taking on the role as the teacher 
to using that skill of listening to them to what they were really coming with. Did you notice a big change in the relationships you had with your students when you really started to listen with uh, listen to them at that deep, active, reflective listening level? Absolutely. Um, you know, we, when you listen to students and allow them to guide their education, they take a stake in that education and they're able to move forward really quickly with their own ideas. And of course, some of that has to do with what I teach. I teach video storytelling. So it's a big thing for them to mm-hmm. find their own voice. Being able to really focus on the listening helps with that. That's really cool. I know when I was in the classroom working with my kids, there are so many times I felt the pressure to get through the curriculum and the content that I would ask questions and very little would I allow them to respond because I was in such a hurry that if they didn't come up with an answer quick enough, I found myself answering for them and that there was no listening part of that. And I know the first time I took the class, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm not even allowing my kids an opportunity (laughs) to learn because I'm just like throwing stuff at them and I'm the speaker and they're probably not listening to me because I'm not listening to them even when I ask them a question. So it's kind of interesting because I taught junior high and high school and how that translates even at the college level. And it's just a human thing as well, too. What skills for college students that we've learned in, in, call, um, in communication skills training, do you see students struggling the most with and for us to find ways to support them the most with? Or what skills do you, have you used uh, or tools to kind of support them? I know role modeling is a big part of that, obviously with you doing listening for them. But what are some of the other skills you see them struggling with, especially during this crazy pandemic time we're in right now? I, I think there's, there's a couple answers. Dr. Heather Exby is also a facilitator for OCL at CMC at Colorado Mountain College. Um, and she and I taught a three-day, three uh, you know, our community listens class to a full class of 18 to 20-year-olds. Oh, wow. That was probably the most difficult class we taught. Uh, and, and a large piece of that is because it's a lot of the content asks you to reflect on your life. And they don't have as much to do that. Another piece behind it, interesting, is is uh, they felt very, uh, it took a while to get into what the listening phase on their own. They really wanted to just Google the answers. They wanted to just go on YouTube and find a 30-second clip of how to do whatever that piece is. And the biggest struggle, um, what was really great coming out of it was afterward, we did um, 100% of the video interviews with and asked them, anything and every single one of them said that the the, the self-awareness that the disc gave them was immense that really changed their vision of how they could relate to other people and then the second piece of it that was really kind of neat was they said a large part of what they learned was that they're just moving too fast (laughs) they need to slow down and I think that's a really important thing especially uh uh, at someone at 18, 19, 20 years old learning that is really huge. And so I think those two things were the big takeaways for them. Thinking about it in a broader context, as, as I stepped into the dean role and I started to become a member for uh, faculty, what I think is really intriguing is working with the faculty to allow the students to model behavior back. That we're taught a lot about 
as facilitators is modeling that behavior, modeling the way you stand, modeling everything as you're speaking. And I think that that's real for our faculty to teach to the students that you now need to model to us. Again, thinking about the students we have, they're going to be journalists. They have to find their own voice to interview people and they're terrified. And so we do so a huge amount of modeling experience back and then teaching those students how to look for those, um, you know, those nonverbal behaviors that we know is a huge part of our communication. Very cool. Rob, I find it pretty interesting to hear you talk about this uh, because this is a similar field that I'm in. Um, you know, like being a journalist is uh, something I did for you know a couple of years in my early 20s and all through high school. And so I think about if I was approached at that time, you know, with these types of communication skills, what kind of impact do you think it could have had on, on myself at that time? So I ask you, you mentioned it kind of in a broad statement about, you know, you think this, you know, has a, a pretty big impact and that self-reflection on these students, but is there anything else? Could you expand on that a little more on why you think this is important or potentially extremely beneficial for them at an early age to, to have this type of communication skills put in front of them and these types of self-reflection? Sure. I think at the very beginning when students are, are coming to college, they kind of fall into two camps. They're either the gear people or they're the people. Uh, and they really want to want to dive into those and start to tell that story. And there's a lot of self-discovery that people have to make in order to take those steps to make real communications, to make real connections with other people. And that's that important part. You know this as a journalist. I mean, we spend five minutes before we did any of this today just connecting. <laughs> and and that's that's hard to do using all the distance tools that we're now used to, but a new student falling into the world of journalism, if they are really afraid of just not understanding themselves, so that's a big part of that disc when they went through that, that part and they learned about themselves, and then they learned about how can I look at other people and see what disc attributes those other people might have, it really fundamentally changes the way that they're able to interact with other people, and that is amazing. You will see a student turn a corner with their work and how quickly they can connect with other people and make those interviews. And that's just, it's just amazing to see it happen. So it's really a shortcut to getting to uh, that connection, that, that human connection that's really important for a journalist or, or a documentarian to have. I think that sounds like some uh, great lessons for them to learn. Like, like you've already said, at a young age, and will potentially, you know, bring their work along, not only their personal life, but bring their work along at a faster pace. You know, we have a, a fairly well-known uh, outdoor filmmaker that lives in our valley. Does, uh, he, he did a lot of long climbing uh, documentaries, sort of, sort of amazing stuff. And he, he sat down and talked through what it is need to know. And it was like a checklist. Um, our community listens and what we teach. You know, got to watch for the nonverbals. You've got to, you've got to connect with them. You've, your job is not to provoke, but to listen. And uh, it's just incredible to see, to, to, to see this curriculum be understood by someone who's never even taken it and, and who's been really successful at it. So. You know, Rob, you mentioned the, the part about connection and the human connection. And it's so interesting because 
I talk about this a lot in the field of education. We were taught content curriculum and pedagogy and very little skills to deal with people, yet we're dealing with the most precious resource, which is our kids. <laughs> you know, and it, it's, it's so interesting because when you go through the class and you take the class and you start to realize that this isn't how I need to look at other people and how they act but how am I acting and what can I do to support and help people out? And it really is kind of the game changer to realize how you connect with people is way more important than trying to say how they need to connect with you. Um, and I love how you were able to kind of use that in your journalism with your journalism folks too, because, you know, I have no background in journalism, but it's really about people. And it doesn't matter what jobs we have or who we're working with. This, this goes all over the place with your family, your friends, your community. You know, if you have faculty or staff underneath you or you have people above you, it's really how you show up in the world with that human connection piece. Yeah, absolutely. You had asked before about the pandemic a little bit and, and it was intriguing to me. Oh, I want to say probably in mid-April, I had two of my faculty that I work with come to me and say, you know, we were surprised when we had the two weeks to go from face-to-face -face classes to completely online. Uh, and, and you changed the way that you may, you know, we, we all changed the way that we had to communicate because we couldn't be there personally to talk about it. And we would go into our bi-weekly meetings with you, weekly meetings with you, and, and, and we would have this expectation that you would come in and start saying, okay, so there's this new tool in Canvas and you need to do X, Y, Z, or you've got to use this new filter to make your audio better and he said every one of those you started out with the question of how can i help and just spent most of your time listening while we solved our own problems and anytime we asked you what it is that we need to get across to our students your answer was always the same i don't care just connect with them you're all, i mean they're already professionals in the area they're teaching the thing that we have to do is learn how to connect in this new modality of, of Zoom and WebEx, and that's really hard. So, you know, we spent a lot of time learning new video tools, how to synchronously and asynchronously. I can use all the edgy speak if you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do we connect? And, but the reality is it's like, well, get yourself in front of them, whether that's a video that you recorded or a Zoom session or something else, you've got to get in front of them and let their time. And that's important, not just at the students to the outcomes. And, you know, you were a K-12, I was a K-12 teacher. No, it's all about those outcomes. We've got to hit the outcome. Reality is that if the connection is built between the human beings, if, if we'll connect, that's what builds that. And so that's what we spent our time with. And, and what was amazing was that it wasn't just about uh, that relationship between the two human beings, but giving a space for everybody to deal with what we were all going through. I mean, that was the pandemic was hard for everyone. Still is. Yeah. We suddenly are in a very different way of living. And so we had to give our students and our fat time to just kind of just breathe a bit and we'll worry about the outcomes at another time. I mean, we, we all got there. All the classes made it to them, but we have to focus on that interpersonal communication. 
it sounds like you're really taking into consideration the people. And we obviously know that that's our focus at our community lessons. And I just want to say thank you because you're right. So many people are struggling in different ways with the pandemic and that human connection, whether it helps them through a class or whether it helps them through the next few hours of their life, just because they're struggling so bad. I think that's super important. So just listening to you talk about you taking the opportunity to do that is something that personally, I don't have any skin in the game out there in Colorado, but I think that's awesome that it matters to you guys and that you're doing that. Oh, it's one of the things I'm most proud about with Colorado Mountain College. They have bent over backwards to stay in touch with students and to give faculty methods and uh, give faculty ways that they can contact students, uh, as you can imagine. So students just went off the radar when we said, don't come back from spring break. We didn't even know where they were. And we would pull out all the stops just to get them a phone call, a Zoom, whatever else. Are you okay? How can we back in the classroom because you know important when you started something you probably want to finish that mm -hmm. yep. and it gave students it gave students ground to go back into the the virtual class and uh you know it, we we did a great job as a college to, to support both the students and the faculty getting that done you know rob saying like once the kids left for spring break and all of a sudden the world kind of stopped <laughs> <laughs> right. And you had to kind of find ways to connect and get kids back into school and online and where are they at and do they have connection and all that. Can you talk a little bit about Colorado Mountain College? Because y'all are a very unique college in so many ways um, with the campuses that you have and how you're spread out in the mountains. And just so people can get really an understanding of how you connect with kids and how different it is for y'all and what you guys do and support for being like that adventure college. I know I had a lot of friends who attended Colorado Mountain College and got degrees from them or from y'all. And so I think it'd be great if you can give us a, just a brief overview of Colorado Mountain College as well. Sure. Um, so essentially, if you imagine a Colorado ski resort, we probably have a campus there with the exception of um, <laughs> We have is in Steamboat and Leadville and and Vail and you know, all those great places. I think 11 campuses now. Uh, some of them are res campuses, so they have you know full on res halls and everything else. We have three of those. We've got uh, we have some that are that are local community hubs, if you will, where the the there aren't residence halls, but there's a lot of students that go there. We're focused on giving kind of two different types of education. There's one type of student that comes and is going to take classes and transfer to another school. We have another group of students who come and, and we are their destination. And so the cool thing is that we've been able to develop just believably niche program. I mean, I think about uh, scary operations, which is where they teach people how to drive snowcats and shape the park. And those are the people who go on to do that for the Olympics. Uh, you know, my programs in the Isaacson School, we have, we have graphic design, digital media, and photography, which sounds pretty common across the country, but realizing that you're in the beautiful mountains of Aspen, Colorado doing that with a lot of the people who've also done really well in those areas. You know, we often have somebody who will draw in who has a Pulitzer or who has, uh, who, you know, uh, started a Hollywood film company, things like that. Uh, we have great, great 
links to our communities. And I think that's what's really important about us. We're about 18,000 students or so. Throughout the, I, I don't have the newest numbers. It's probably this year because a lot of people are taking time off. But uh, what's been great is because we're that, we're that local college community, also go and give them the best degree that they might really want is really just some. Uh, you know, we're focused on training the nurses, doctors, nurses, not doctors, sorry. We're focused on training the nurses and the, the EMTs in our areas, the police officers, things like that. Lots of opportunities out there for sure. It's, I know it's always great. I know I've got a couple friends, like I said, that attend it. One of them works up in Steamboat Springs and he works on the big cats, like you were talking about, went through um, the program. And um, he gets to see all those uh, great Olympians that go and train up there um, for the Olympics up in Steamboat as a result. So he's always posting that stuff. With this interesting year of coming back to school, not only were you all dealing with the pandemic, but you also had the fires that were breaking out all over the mountains. Um, and it, it was kind of a, a crazy thing that was happening how did you use your skills, Rob, to just keep everybody kind of focused on the main thing and getting faculty or staff kind of back in as well, too? Because you're such a, a well-spoken and just easygoing guy, and I love that. And your calmness is, is just wonderful to listen to. And I can see you teaching in class and just kids connecting and staff connecting. So how did you keep folks just calm and focused on the prize, knowing that there was fires and you're trying to deal with the pandemic and anything else that this year has thrown at us? You know, I got really lucky. Um, the fire that was closest to any of our campuses was about three miles from our Spring Valley campus, which happens to be where the media stuff is taught. Oh, wow. Uh, the, campus, the campus VP for that is also a uh, our community listens facilita facilitator, Dr. Heather Exby. Uh, and so she was leading that campus and great. We would have meetings and they would, she would just literally open the meetings and we would say, what do we need about? What do we need to hear from you? And let, let everybody do their jobs. Um, but at the same time, really focusing on what is most important in these crises and kind of just leaving the blinders on to the rest, uh, which was fantastic. You know, I, I know we had a, uh, uh, the week before class started, the canyon was closed, the fire was kind of still raging, and I had a faculty meeting. They started out with, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Yeah. And, and I just said, stop, let's just breathe. Let's just do what you do. You know, make yours go. You know how to do that. You've done it for years. Our biggest concern is going to be, are the students able to get here? And if they can, then ready. And I think it just kind of came across as, you know, once we gave them that charge, it was just our job to just listen to what they needed to do. Mostly they solved their own problems. Uh, and then if, they, if there was something that they couldn't figure out, like we have a guy who teaches for us from Denver, and he wasn't sure if he was even going to be able to make it there. <laughs> And, you know, it was a simple, simple, like, what are we going to do if I can't get there for the first day of classes? It's a face-to-face class. I actually have to be there. What am I going to do? And I was like, well, one of two things, either 
or I'll show up for you and we'll set up on a Zoom or you'll make the six hour drive and we'll pay for a hotel room. Like we'll figure it out. I think that's key, you know, just being able to listen and, and authentically understand what the, what the faculty and the student problems were and then just be able to move through those. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Rob, I want to know a little bit about how the Our Community Listen skills have been a benefit to you personally and how they've made a difference in your family. <laughs> you know, I'm really lucky in that my wife has also taken Our Community Listens, and so we get to hold each other accountable. And often when I'm not at my best, and she'll kind of look at me and say, hey, think about what you're doing, uh, which is really helpful to have. I would, I would highly encourage everybody to take it with your family. The second piece is that it really changed my relationship with my daughter and my son uh, in that I'm really listening to what they say. And I find it super important. It's so easy at the end of a hard day of, you know, 10 hours of Zoom meetings to not want to talk about uh, anime with my daughter. Uh, <laughs> it's just one more, one more thing online that I don't really want to do. But I have to like find it in myself to actually be there and be present to listen to that. And how much I'm learning about her and her journey is really important. And then the last piece of that is that when you see, you know, your 12-year-old daughter, just sit down and just listen with a friend uh, and, and think about what that, what that might change in her life versus the way I lived my life prior to OCL. Uh, is going to be awesome just to see how she moves through life with some of those skills that hopefully we're modeling for her. That's awesome to hear. It sounds like there's some good modeling going on in that household. Uh, some days, not all days. <laughs> well, I think it's important that, you, you know, you pointed out a really good thing um, about even you've taken the class, you're a facilitator, you've done classes, you're a practitioner, but above all, we're humans. Right. And so as humans, we forget, we mess up, we make mistakes, but it's always being able to come back to the things that we've learned and understand that, you know, just because we learn something doesn't mean we are amazing at it. It's a continuous journey to stop sometimes and say, oh, my daughter, my son, my wife, my mom, whoever is saying something really important to me. I need to connect. Right. And sometimes putting down our cell phones yeah. or turning off the TV or just really tuning in. That's one of the great things about the class is it helps you be very self-aware of yourself and take a look at what's going on in your surroundings and not so much focus on what other people aren't doing, but what you should be doing to support them. And yeah, as, as a parent of two teenage daughters, one who turns 18 in two days and one who turns 15 in a month. I'm constantly like being reminded that sometimes I'm not the best listener or sometimes I just need to be silent and not give advice and let them follow up and, you know, solve their own problems as well too. So it's, it's a constant struggle, but I think the struggle in the learning process makes us better um, to be able to role model and stuff you know, as we continue to go on. Do you find that true as well, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm rid of early this summer, I called my mother, lives, um, oh, in Florida, you know, over half the country away. And, and I was just, I went to her and just trying to just poach every monkey she has. Like, you should do this. I think this way, you should do these things. And my wife was, sitting across me and kind of just looked at me and hey 
amazing. And boy, did it change things. I mean, we, we, after I finally got it through my thick skull, hey, it's time to listen for a while. Hey, and she needed support. You know, helping her with all the storm shutters. She really needed support and someone to go there. So we actually packed our whole family and drove there. And it was large because, you know, my wife said, hey, you should listen to your mom. She's really struggling with this stuff. And it was one of those big eye-opening moments of like, oh, wait, I teach stuff. And here I'm just, you know, one after another because we're in a we're in a massive situation. It's really hard for her to deal with. And I'm super far, far away. And me trying to, like, describe how to fix her or something over the phone useful but is more useful if listen to what she really needs absolutely you know it's it's so interesting um even trying to do stuff on the phone with our parents as well too my mom's up in colorado and so even just listening to her and what she's going through because she can't get outside really with the pandemic and her health issues with her age um and sometimes it's just listening to all life's issues and problems but also understanding this is someone who doesn't have human connection at all other than through the phone and she's not a texter. So it's a powerful tool to be able to just let them breathe into that moment in time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think we need that, not just interpersonally, not with our families, you know, not with our students and our faculty, but I mean, we need that as a country and as a society right now, because there's so much going on where people are, uh, they're listening just to response and not listening just to listen. Yeah. Rob, I know you uh, mentioned Dr. Heather Exby several times, and I definitely want to pay tribute to her. She was one of the very first people I met through OCL. Shara invited me to come out for the hundredth class that you all had and celebrated um, in Aspen last year. It was a year ago. And um, Dr. XB and Jim English were actually teaching that class. And I know he's a retired Colorado Mountain College person. And I think he had just retired like a couple weeks prior to the class. And it was such a joy to hear their experiences and how they serve, not just at Colorado Mountain College, but the communities um, up there in the mountains as well. Can you, is there anything else you'd like to add about some of the skills or, or some of the things that you all are doing with the college students um, this year at Colorado Mountain College? whether it be you or Heather or anybody else? Yeah, um, you know, it's a great question, Mike. I, I think we have been really overwhelmed at the college level with, uh, you know, and, and you know this probably more than most, changing modality from face-to-face -to, -face to online uh, takes a lot and takes a lot to make sure that you're building the connections. And so we've been very focused on that piece of it and less focused on, you know, really how do we, how do we build in these, these uh, how do we help the students understand through listening? Uh, and some of that is just because some of those faculty haven't been able to take OCL, uh, you know, that, that entire plan where we wanted them to take OCL sort of shifted with the, with the pandemic because we don't offer it in person right now. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, you know, we were headed down a lot of those roads and, and it's a little bit frustrating to see that kind of stop. Uh, although at the same time, I do think that we are helping the, the faculty focus on the right things with the students. Um, 
the other thing that's been a little bit of a difficulty for us has been looking at our K-12 districts. We serve like 15 of them and they all have a different response to the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, really looking to those educators at the K-12 level who have had our community listens training and seeing how frustrated they get with working with their uh, administrators who maybe aren't making the right decisions. So it's, it's really interesting to see how it's all working out, but I don't think we have an answer. So I, so I, I'm sorry, but I don't really have a great soundbite for that one. You know, there's, there's, we keep doing what we're doing and trying to do it as best we can. I think that's the key is just know what we know, know what skills we have and just keep going forward, supporting folks with those. Right. Yeah, I do think there's a, Something's going to shake loose soon here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, our our biggest employers across the board are almost all the large ski resorts, Vale Resorts and Aspen Ski Co. Um, and they've all come to talk to us about how do we get some interpersonal communication, basically OCL training yeah. within those, those places because things are shifting. They aren't allowed to get their J, J visa students anymore. Uh, so that changes who their employee market is. And so fortunately, SkiCo has had a really significant number of people take our community listens. And they, they're kind of reaching out to, to Colorado Mountain College to say, well, how can you help our how can you help our people understand these types of things? And so we're we're still working on that um, a lot, but I think it'll help to turn a corner with that group of people who uh, are really very geographically volatile. You know, they're here for three months for the ski season, and then yeah. they're climbing for three months. So, <laughs> so we'll see how that all works out. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. talked about tying it to k-12 um and, and i guess the only way i can really do that is is i think in some ways one of the things that attracted me to to take our community listens after learning about it from my wife was that i was i was already doing some of those skills in that in that k-12 classroom uh, and that i i started out with students, uh, I, my first class was a typing class, if you can imagine. And, and I started out with them and they said, uh, well, we hate this. And I said, you know, so do I. <laughs> like, nobody really likes typing class. And, uh, and I said, so what do you want to learn? And they said, we want to learn how to design games. And I said, well, that's cool. I kind of know how to do that. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If, you've, if you can hit all of the outcomes for typing for the state of Colorado, which is 90% accuracy, 30 words a minute for two minutes, then I'll teach you how to design games. And they, they said, okay, they did it in a week and a half. <laughs> so, so we had most of a semester to actually teach games. And in that, that class, most of what I did was just say, well, now we're kind of outside the boundaries of, 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 uh, the outcomes that the state requires, we're doing what we want to do. So what do you want to do? And you know, like being able to take and tie that in to then the formal training at OCL was, you know, it's, it's really changed the way I teach. And I think it will change. It would change the way a lot of K-12 teachers would teach. Rob, I love 
the way you're saying that. And the reason is, is we have a education research project going on. We're diving into the research to see like, what do we need to do in OCL to reach education? And the focus is on the adults because if the adults can do these skills and model them, then they build that sense of belonging for kids, which is a big research topic. And they also build that self-efficacy that they believe in themselves. So everything you talked about in your typing class, and I had flashbacks to my typing class where they're like, C, C, B, C, right? And it's like, yeah, I, you know, I can type with my pointer fingers pretty good. I don't think I ever paid attention. But I also didn't have that teacher who really made it fun or believed in us or took us to a level to where we wanted to believe. Um, and you did that. And so it's huge of what you talked about and how you got the kids to believe in themselves. And all of a sudden they had it done in several weeks and you're able to get them to do other things as well too, while they were still practicing their typing skills. And so that's awesome. And I'm so excited to share our research as we continue to go on with you and get more ideas of how that can focus and work, not just with K-12 kids, but it's a human thing, right? Like we all want to feel like we belong and we all want to have someone who believes in us. And when we do, it's amazing the things we can do and the outcomes that we can have um, just in our own lives. So love hearing that short, that story. And thank you for sharing that part as well, too. Yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. I'm glad to hear that that's where the research is heading. It's, it's so exciting and so necessary because I think our children enter high school certainly feeling unheard. They feel, you know, left out of a lot of the things. They're, they don't identify with what their parents do or listen to or yeah. see on the, on, uh, and, and, and quite frankly, they learn technology in a very different way. Yeah. So, so being able to have them concentrate on that next step of how do I use this technology that I know really well to communicate with the people around you <laughs> to my own goals is that's going to change things. Adam, I feel like we could talk to Rob just for hours and hours and hours because his voice is so easy to listen to. He's got so many great stories, but I do know we need to wrap up at some point in time. Do you have any more thoughts you'd like to share or ideas, Rob or Adam, and I'll, I'll kind of be silent. I'm good. I enjoy listening to you as a teacher, listen to your class because you could have approached that situation and literally said, this is what we're doing for the next eight to 12 weeks. Deal with it. <laughs> because I knew teachers that were that way, but you didn't, you were like, I don't understand why you can't do this quicker and we can move on to something that you're more interested in. And, and not only that, but you will continue to learn. And I think that's amazing. So, congrats. you know, the, the coolest part of that was uh, we got into like week two or week three and there was a special needs kid. He had lost two fingers uh, and, and he was he was struggling in a lot of different ways. He really was. And, and we came back and the class came back and said, you know, everybody has meet these outcomes except for him. What do we do? And I said, what do you do? What are we going to do? And uh, they brainstormed for about half an hour and they came back and they said, he can meet the outcomes if we let him text on his phone. I was like, let's try it. Like, let's see what happens. Awesome. And so he met the outcomes through texting, which was just incredible. So, and that was the student's idea. You know, if you give people space, they will do amazing things. And that's just one of the, the great lessons that I learned in, in, you know, through, through teaching, but then was really reinforced in our, in the, our, 
our community listens facilitation training. Yeah, that we don't have to solve others' problems. We just have to give them the space to allow them to solve their problems, right? And it's amazing what, what people can do. So exactly. and probably a way better idea than what you would have came up with, right? <laughs> so. Exactly. Well, but frankly, I was like, well, we got most of the class here. <laughs> we can move on. But, but they solved the problem entirely, which was great. I love that. And I love how everybody then was included. And that's really in education what inclusion is all about, is let's find ways to bring everybody around. So just well, an awesome story. Well, and you see that in, in the facilitation, you know, when, when you facilitate a class, you see us pairing students together and they're working together to solve whatever problem they might have brought to the, the course with them. And it's, it's just, it's a really great cycle that we do that with our students as well. Mike and Rob, thank you both for being on the podcast today. As always, we like to challenge our uh, guests with a key takeaway for our listeners. Uh, Mike, I'll let you kind of off the hook unless you think you got something. Um, but I'll start with Rob. Rob, why don't you give me kind of your key takeaway here for our listeners? Uh, you know, in any podcast or any interview, it's always tough to think about how do you wrap it all up. And for me, it comes back to a lot of the lessons that we use in the classroom. And when we facilitate OCL, like you just have to come at it with a little bit of humility and give yourself and the other people around you the grace and space to, to really allow yourself to listen to the world around you and the people around you. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Mike? For mine, Rob mentioned it several times, and I think about this often, especially when I mess up <laughs> with some of the skills, usually with my daughters and sometimes with my wife, um, is just the human connection part, right? And if you, if you approach it from, I want to connect with people, and I really just want to value them, and if we just listen, it's amazing the connection that actually takes place, and just the deep of relationships that can actually happen as a result of just connecting with people rather than forcing our thoughts, ideas, judgments, opinions, all that stuff on others. So I, I appreciate you, Rob, like reminding me of that little, that little piece today and just appreciate having you on, on our call as well. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate being on the call and I appreciate all the great things that you've brought into it as well. I love our connection here and my newfound friend of Adam is awesome too. I have like another podcast nerd. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, thank you both for being on the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I wish you both well as we continue to head into this uncharted territory of the 2020-2021 school. If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylistens.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.